Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So I've been getting a ton of questions about an old Wall Street Journal article, not old, maybe a week or so ago, that I read about dates for the election. Critical dates. Absolutely critical dates. You must, must know. My father used to say growing up, Daniel, that's a must. Why? Because these dates will decide who the next president is and when. And these critical dates are the dates the Democrats are planning their, quote, street fight. What I covered yesterday, their chaos post-election. I got an email from a lady said, Dan, stop trying to scare us. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. There's a difference. If you're not interested in being prepared and you just want to take a Pollyanna-ish view of this, and oh, the Democrats are just going to accept the election outcome if Trump wins, go right ahead. That's your choice. Maybe this isn't you know, the, the content for you, that's okay. But I am not going to let them pull this again and be caught empty handed like we were after the fires, looting and protests before. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity from prying eyeballs today. My savvy listeners get a VPN. They go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Go today, get a VPN. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you? Fine, sir. Hey, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. My son's uh, got liberty. I'm being visited, yeah. I know. Are great. I just cheated and got to talk to uh, little Joe, who's <laughs> yeah. not so little anymore, on the camera. Dude. Joe didn't even tell me he was coming back. So, welcome back, <laughs> our leatherneck uh, uh, friend, Marine, uh, little Joe, little producer Joe, who again Joe. Um, isn't isn't so little anymore, as our no. enemies in combat uh, may find out one day to their own detriment, right, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with the Marines. Not so little no. anymore. All right, we got a loaded show. Welcome back, little Joe. We love you. You know that. Uh, loaded show today. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing about home security companies they trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and really terrible customer support. Who wants that? There are a lot of options out there, but there's only one no brainer Simply Safe. We love Simply Safe. You know my background in security. I chose Simply Safe for my house. It is a ring of security. Um, as you'll see later, we have some video outside from a camera system we have set up, which is fascinating. Don't miss that. Simply Safe's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window, and door tailored specifically for your home. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. You can set up yourself in under an hour. Paula set our hours up real simple. I took a snoozer in the middle of the day. I woke up. She'd already had the thing installed. Just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you want them. No technician required. There's no contract, no pushy sales guy, no hidden fees, no fine print. All this starts at $15 a month. I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is great. U.S. News and World Report. Report named it the best overall home security of 2020. Go today. Go to simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Don't forget that URL. Get a free HD camera for my listeners. That's simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Make sure they know to make sure they know our show sent you. All right, Joe, let's go. So, folks, again, I've been warning you over a series of days. I got the stroke interview today and a lot more coming, but about will the courts pick the next president, not you? Will the courts do it? If the courts do it, how are people going to pressure the courts? And how is the Democrats, quote, street fight they're planning? Their words, not mine. How is that going to affect all this? Another Wall Street Journal article I saw today. I'll get to the one you've been asking me about in a minute. Will the courts pick the next president? If the election is close, the fallout could make Bush v. Gore look like an ice cream social by the Wall Street Journal editorial board. It's in their paper today. 
I've warned you about this. Now, to be fair, because I, I don't like to mess around with my listeners, we've gotten a ton. Yesterday's feedback for Labor Day, yesterday's audience on the Coming Coup show was phenomenal for a holiday. Really mm. <laughs> incredible, like off the charts. And I think it's because the content has people concerned. I'll say again, this a few, very small, but a small percentage, maybe four or 5% of the audience has sent me some negative feedback saying, hey, I, you know, you're trying to scare us. I'm not. I'm just trying to prepare you for what the Democrats are telling you to be prepared for. If you don't want to be prepared, that's your choice. I don't think it's a great choice, but that is your choice. What are they preparing for? Ladies and gentlemen, they're going to use the disenfranchisement excuse. Oh, no, disenfranchisement. They're going to, in other words, they're going to ignore legal guidelines, the courts, on ballots. And when they have to be in, they're going to be like, we don't need to worry about the law in these specific states. We can't disenfranchise anyone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's an interesting word, disenfranchisement. I think it's a focus group tested word they use. Uh, Joe, if you show up after Election Day and try to vote at a polling location that is closed because the election was the day before, have you been right. disenfranchised or is that a uh, focus group way to describe it? You missed the no, deadline, right? I missed the deadline. I blew it. Yeah. Now, uh, okay, mm -hmm. thank you. But that's going to be disenfranchisement. You don't believe me from this Wall Street okay. Journal article. Let's go to screenshot number one. <laughs> Say, quote, but in the twilight zone of 2020, everything's up for grabs. Deadlines, laws, election laws, election deadlines, you know, all that stuff. Back to the article. Last Monday, a federal judge issued a preliminary injunction that orders Georgia officials to count all ballots postmarked by Election Day, even if they don't show up until three days later. <laughs> huh, what? The suit was filed by the New Georgia Project, a group founded by Democrat, uh, thinks she's Governor Stacey Abrams. Oh. The judge, here, here is, Joe, here's the key line. The judge who's thrown the law out about election deadlines expressed a, reluction, a, a reluctance, quote, to interfere with Georgia's statutory election machinery. But she concluded again that, quote, the risk of disenfranchisement is great. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. it's not disenfranchisement if you try to vote after an election. It's called election fraud if you attempt to do that. If you make a mistake... You made a mistake, but you missed the deadline. Mm -hmm. These deadlines are being thrown out now. These lawsuits are all over the country. Again, if you don't want to be prepared for any of this and this content bothers you, I get it. I am not going to be left flat-footed on the ground, nor should the Republican establishment, Republican voters, Republican lawyers, the Republican president, the Republican House, or the Republican Senate as to what's coming because you don't want to hear about it because you don't want to be scared. Again, I'm talking to a very limited number of the audience, but this is super important stuff. They're suing right now to have election deadlines completely thrown out saying you'll be disenfranchised. You're not disenfranchised if you can't research online when the election's happening. All you have to Google is something crazy, Joe, like when is the election happening? <laughs> I know that's hard for some people to figure. Here, phone, computer right here is what I'm always messing with. When Ooh. is the 2020 election in my state? <sighs> when? <laughs> How hard is this? You're not disenfranchised. You're being disintellectual by not Googling or duck, duck going or binging or whatever the date of the election. The judge, we don't want to disenfranchise anyone who can't research when the election is. <sighs> you watch. It's happening. I know it's been an ongoing theme in the show. 
They're going to sue over every deadline. Deadlines. Are, now I'll get to the deadlines that matter in, in a couple of minutes. Second thing here. The dates will be disregarded as these courts fights drag as these court fights drag out. Forget these dates. The dates I'm going to tell you in a minute, throw them right out. Damn, the Constitution said so. The law said so. The law says in Georgia, too, that you have to have your ballots in by election day. The judge is like, nah, we'll wait three more days because we don't want to disenfranchise people who can't get a ballot in by election day. What? Screenshot two from the journal piece. Get ready for this one. Because someone emailed me and said, Dan, the Constitution is well prepared for an election controversy. There's laws. Okay, there were laws in Georgia too, folks. Quote, the fight will probably drag out in the courts. Say it's mid-November and absentee ballots are being counted in a key state. Although Mr. Trump retains a modest lead, mail votes are breaking three to one for Mr. Biden. Imagine what's going to happen here, folks. Perhaps the law in this jurisdiction requires ballots to arrive by election day. So there's a pile to the side of thousands of late deliveries. Again, people who couldn't figure out how to get their votes in on time. Some are missing postmarks. It's not clear when they were even mailed. Thousands more have been discarded for suspect signatures. But the rejection rates are higher in urban areas. Imagine that going through the courts. What do you think is going to happen? Come on. Come on. You read it. You know. You're the smartest audience out there. Your emails are genius. You give me the best ideas. Read that. Come on. What's in there? You know it going to go to the courts and what are the arguments going to be oh it's racist urban areas of course democrats think only uh, black people and hispanic people live in urban areas because a lot of them are racist in and of themselves they're going to say urban area disenfranchisement urban area disenfranchisement they didn't get their votes in on time but this is clearly racist it's racist to disregard those ballots the majority of them are hispanic and black voters they're going to say this is going to be their right i'm getting you ready for it now so any of you married to a date, Dan, the Constitution said that, that, and the statutory law says the electors have to be decided by December 14th. Ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution also says you have a reasonable degree of privacy in your papers and your things. And that didn't matter to the Spygate people either. I'm deeply sorry if this bothers you. I'm just telling you they are already in the states disregarding election deadlines now. These people see the Constitution, statutory law, and state law as toilet paper. They don't take this stuff seriously. Now, a lot of you have been asking me about the article I discussed. I don't know what it was, two weeks ago. You know, I can never gauge time on this show. Probably was two years ago. No, it was about two weeks ago. I'm just messing with you. That there are specific guidelines the Constitution has laid out and subsequent statutory federal law about the presidential election. I'm going to read through those dates. The article is in the show notes today. It's there. I didn't put it in the show for because I discussed it last week, but it's right there. It's the first article in the show notes. If you go to Bongino.com slash newsletter, that's where you subscribe to the show notes. Of course, we, you know, it's free subscriptions. We'll send it right to the article, come right to you. It even says, here is the article listeners have been asking me about, about the key dates. Let's go over some key dates here. December 14th. So the election is November 3rd. December 14th is a key date. That's when the state, each specific state, their electoral votes must be decided by September 14th. Must. If they're not decided by December 14th, what happens to that state's electoral votes? They're forfeited. Florida, God forbid, where I live, can't figure out it's 29 electoral votes. By December 14th, you don't get anything. No soup for you. Remember that? This Seinfeld episode. Sorry. <laughs> You're out. Why does that date matter? 
By the way, the statutory law Congress wrote pursuant to the Constitution is that the electors must be decided the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December. That date is December 14th. Tracking me? Mm -hmm. Again, these dates are all in that article. It's the first article in the show notes. Check it out. It's worth your time. Congress also wrote into the law a six-day safe harbor provision. Six days before that December 14th deadline, which means December 8th, where if there's a controversy about who won the state, you have six days to figure it out before December 14th. That's the deadline. The verdict is in December 14th, no matter what. Get it? If there's a controversy about who won, let's say in Florida where I live, you have six days before December 14th to figure this thing out. Six. If Joe Biden was doing it, six. That means by December 8th, you better have an answer. Well, what happens by December 8th? And what happens between between December 8th and December 14th? If there is no answer and the lawsuits are still going and nobody can figure out what to do with this, these ballots that weren't postmarked that are sitting there when the Democrats, Democrats get mark my words, it's going to happen. You can't disregard those ballots with no postmark. That'd be racist. Hmm. Watch, watch, watch. It's going to happen. You'll regret not listening to this show. If you want to be blinded, you'll be ready at least. And the Republicans damn well better be ready for this. Well, in that window, the state legislature has to decide. Let's say they can't come to an agreement. The vote count changes every day. There's arguments about this batch of votes with no postmarks, this batch of votes with bad signatures. Joe, you tracking me? The Republicans want these votes, the military, the Democrats want the urban votes. The Republicans want the signature wrong votes. The Democrats don't want those. There'll be a lawsuit over every single vote. Mark it, track it, cash that check and send it to your friends. I'm telling you with a thousand percent certainty that's going to happen. So you have six days to figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is when the street fight is going to get worse. That six days between December 8th and December 14th, where the states have to figure out who won. Remember this transition integrity project thing about the street fight we keep talking about? That's the transition integrity project run by the Soros affiliate. Rosa Brooks, where they're talking about Forget the legal options. This is going to be a street fight. Mm -hmm. That's when the street fight is going to start. Not start. That's when the street fight is going to start getting really ugly if this scenario happens. I just need you to be prepared, folks. I need you to be prepared. All right, let me get to my second sponsor because I got a lot more on this and I got the stroke stuff. I've got a loaded show today. It's going to be a good one. You're not going to want to miss any of the content, including I have the video of the sign thief in front of my house. Yes, for those of you who follow me on Parlor, I um, had my Trump signs. Did I tell you this show stolen from in front of my house? No. And uh, although the video is not great, we have this numb nuts on video. Um, I've subsequently bought four new signs to jam it right up your caboose (laughs) and donated $500 yesterday. And we'll do it again if these morons continue to steal my signs. That's how you stick it to these idiots. All right, today's show also brought to you by friends at LifeLock. Hey, how much is your personal information worth to cyber criminals? A lot. Researchers have compiled an overview of the average price of stolen personal data for sale on the dark web. While online banking logins cost an average of $35, really? Gosh, these people are unbelievable. The range of documents and account details needed to commit identity theft costs $1,285. 
Whoa. The bulk of stolen information comes from large-scale data breaches. It is super important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. I had my identity stolen. It was the worst thing. It took me months to clear it up. They bought Carlton Sheets real estate programs with my stolen uh, identity and credit card data. Not kidding. It was a nightmare. You could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. I have it for me. I have it for my kids. I have it for my wife. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity thefts, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised, they'll send you an alert. I get texts on my phone. Stat. I love it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can find out if your information is for sale on the dark web. Get your free dark web scan today at LifeLock.com slash scan. Pick the plan that's right for you and save up to 25% off your first year using promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, my last name. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash scan, lifelock.com slash scan, and 25% off. That's huge with promo code Bongino. Check them out today. Super important. All right. So as I told you, prepare for the street chaos. They're telling us what they're going to do. Yesterday's show went bonkers about the coming coup because I'm just using the Democrats' own words. You know, I debate Chris Hahn a lot on Fox. I haven't done much lately. Um, but Chris went after me on Twitter yesterday saying, oh my gosh, this coming coup is loser talk. Okay, it's the Democrats' talk. You're the losers. I'm, I'm not, it's their talk. We used their own footage during yesterday's show that December 6th to December 14th, Eight-day window where the states are told by statutory U.S. law in a presidential election, you damn well better figure out who won this election. Your state legislators got it now. You have six days to figure this out. You can expect unprecedented chaos during that time frame. Mark it. Now, even the media is starting to figure out, Joe. The media is starting to figure out that if they continue to downplay the problems with mail-in ballots because, you know, why would they do that? Come on, you all know the answer to this. It's not a quiz show. Today I'm asking a lot of questions. But you, sometimes you can avoid an assertion. You can never, ever avoid a question. A brilliant political mind once told me that. The brain is wired to automatically respond to a question. They can ignore an assertion. Why? Why would the media all of a sudden, as I'm going to show you in a second with this Associated Press story, the AP, why are they now starting to acknowledge that mail-in voting could create a big problem? Because, ladies and gentlemen, you can't say mail-in voting is not a problem at all because Trump said it's going to be a problem. And then when mail-in voting becomes a problem, you need to take to the courts to win the election. You can't then say, oh, oh I you, you guys just said it wasn't a problem. Matter of fact, we have your headlines right, right, right here. Mm -hmm. I just saw it. Mm -hmm. You all said, no, no, Trump is lying. So follow the media logic here. Media, the media are full-time liberal activists. We mm -hmm. all get that, right? Paula, you get that? Pa Paula, Shane, Joe, everybody understands yep. that. Nobody actually takes the media seriously, correct? So they're full-time liberal activists. They're not telling you the story. They're telling you a story. And a, a, a story, a narrative they want to tell you is whatever Trump says, the opposite is true because we hate Trump. It's no more complicated than that. So Trump... President Trump has already highlighted the massive problems with mail-in voting repeatedly, as you know. So, of course, the media hates Trump, has to prove him wrong at every turn because they're liberal activists. They're not serious people. So what did they say? They've been saying 
Trump's crazy. Fact check. Mail-in voting is A-OK, but now they're realizing they've got a problem, Houston. The Hmm. problem is this, when they have to sue in the courts to throw out election deadlines because of the problems with mail-in voting, what they don't want is people going back and pulling their articles going, wait, wait, here it is on my phone right here. You just said a few weeks ago it wasn't a problem. So now all of a sudden you're seeing AP articles like this one where they're starting to leak out that uh, there may be an issue with mail-in voting. Trump Uh, But Trump said, even though we hate him, we may need this later. So AP headline in battlegrounds, absentee ballot rejections could triple. Wow. I thought Trump was crazy bringing attention to votes in the mail that are rejected typically at a higher rate than in-person voting. As the New York Times, Adam Liptak reported back in 2012. So you're telling me Trump's not wrong. Folks, please don't attribute any of this to media integrity by the AP. Because I know some of you who are liberals and watch this go, Dan, the media is finally standing up for journalistic standards and acknowledging what they've already acknowledged through the years, that there's a significant problem with with fraud and disregarded ballots and mail-in voting at a higher rate than in-person voting. That's not why they're doing this. They're not they're not acknowledging Trump is right. They're doing this because they're liberal activists and they need a tool to go to court and fight legal battles. They're activists. They're not media people to keep the election going on past the deadlines I just told you about. That's it. Period. Proverbial full stop from the AP piece. Read it. You'll see this is the opening. Thousands of absentee ballots get rejected in every presidential election. Yeah, no kidding. We knew this all along. This year, that problem could be much worse and potentially pivotal in hotly contested battleground states. Gee, you think, fellas? With the coronavirus creating a surge in mail-in balloting and postal delays across the country, the number of rejected ballots in November is projected to be significantly higher than previous elections. Again, folks, if you've been watching this show for the past few weeks, we have only discussed this and the problems with mail-in voting repeatedly. Repeatedly. There are fewer problems with absentee ballot voting because you have to go and request a ballot and there are certain security measures. Mail-in voting, where you are sent a ballot, whether you asked for one or not, is open season, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be the Wild West. And the AP is figuring out right now that they're going to need to say there's a problem with mail-in voting. God forbid Trump wants. Did you notice, by the way, Joe, just a coincidence, don't worry, that as the polls are starting to shift now in swing states in Donald Trump's favor, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the press, shocker, Joe, this is crazy. All of a sudden, the press is starting to say, hey, all of a sudden, that mail-in voting may not be such a good idea. Why? (laughs) Why? Because they thought Joe Biden, right? This is hilarious. They thought Joe Biden was going to win in an epic landslide. So they said, just ignore Trump's problems with the election's going to have problems, whatever. We don't want any issues. Now, all of a sudden, they're figuring out they could lose. And now they're all, they're telegraphing to the whole planet and the globe. Hey, there could be a problem with this election. This is so transparently obvious. Now, You never want to leave the buffoons at Facebook out of it. So uh, Facebook, you know, Zuckerberg and that crew, of course, they got to get involved in this too. Folks, these people all read from the same activist playbook. It's pathetic. This is a bit of a longer cut, a little over a minute 30, but it's worth your time. 
This is uh, fake book CEO Mark Zuckerberg. This is him interviewing with Axios, where he's basically laying out, you say, the Facebook game plan post-election? No, 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 no. Come on, Facebook. Facebook doesn't have a game plan. It's the Democrat game. If the Democrats hand it to him, game plan, Facebook, <laughs> as if they're not the same thing with the Democrats, give me a break. Here's Zuckerberg laying out and preparing, as I've been warning you again for two weeks now, given the body blows to soften up the body of the American body politic, that no matter what happens after the election, if it's not a Biden victory on election night, it doesn't matter what happens. We're going to keep this going as long as we want, and we're not even going to let you talk about the election. Here's Zuckerberg right out of the Democrat playbook. Check this out. One of the things that I think we and, and um, other media need to start doing is preparing um, the American people that um, there's nothing illegitimate about this election taking additional days or even weeks um, to make sure that all the votes are counted. In fact, that might be important to make sure that this is a legitimate um, and fair election. So we're going to do a, a, a bunch of different messaging around that just to make sure that people know that that's normal. So if one of the um, candidates and any of the races claims victory before there's um, a consensus result, then we're going to add some informational context to that post directly saying that um, that there, there's no consensus result yet. I think that this is important because there is, unfortunately, I, I think, a heightened risk of, um, of civil unrest in, in the period you know, between uh, between voting and, and a result being called or, or, or after that. And I, I just think that we need to be doing everything that we can to uh, reduce the chances of violence or civil unrest in the, in the wake of this election. If that were to happen, would Facebook be blamed in part? Um, well, I, I can't speak to, to what other people would do, but I, I think we're, we're trying to make sure that we do our part to make sure that um, that none of this is, is organized on Facebook. We want to make sure that none of that stuff is, is happening on, on our services. Um, but you know, the, the country is, is very charged right now. So I, I think regardless of what we do, there's some chance that this happens um, across the country. I, I just want to make sure that we do our part to not contribute to. This is incredible. Hmm. Notice how the Democrats and Zuckerberg, because they're, they're really, they're, these, they're all liberals over there. We get it, right? There's a couple token Republicans or whatever work on Facebook, but roughly it's mostly, it's mostly liberals. It is the only the Democrats and their Democrat oriented groups like the Transition Integrity Project with Soros's person running it. It is only them calling for a quote street fight. Their words, not mine. Right. I have never said to my conservative listeners, you go get in a street fight after ever. We have never said that's the Democrats. And yet, look at Zuckerberg's excuse for we're not going to allow election misinformation afterwards. What he's basically saying, let me translate. If Donald Trump wins, we're not going to let Donald Trump say he won. That, that, there you go. That's the translation. And his excuse is this, because we don't want to be the cause of violence. Who's called? No one's calling for violence but the Democrats. That is exact, this is like the dipsy do flipperooski. The flipperooski dipsy dooski. This is a total 180. It is the Democrats calling for a quote street fight. And in case you think they're talking about, no, no, we just mean it for a legal one. No, no, they specifically say, we're not going to use the courts. We want a street fight. That's their thing, their group. 
And Zuckerberg is talking about Trump. He's not going to let Trump declare victory if Trump wins. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a we are living in a dystopian uh, universe right now. I mean, it is up to you to be prepared for this. Are you reaching out to your local Republican clubs? Are you ready to to uh, to get out there and peacefully protest afterwards? Unlike this violent street fight, Democrats. I hope so, because your country's at stake. You have between November 3rd and December 14th to figure this out. Election day and December 14th, where the presidential electors are chosen. And in that six-day window between December 8th and December 14th, you can expect unprecedented chaos if there's a conflict in your state about who won. Are you ready? I hope so. I am. Folks, the people we're dealing with some of them are violent, aggressive animals, thieves. They're, they're brutally violent street criminals. These radical leftists. BLM are a bunch of Marxist terrorists. Antifa is a bunch of fa- fascist terrorists. They will attack you at a moment's notice. Remember these three winners who attacked me and my wife? Thank you, Paul, for bringing it up. We had bike guy who told me he wanted to fight me for two straight miles. yet never got off his bike. We had crazy white woman telling my Hispanic Colombian wife what a disgrace to humankind she was. And then we had the other guy uh, who, again, called her a B, rhymes with snitch, A, rhymes with class um, for the entire two miles. Yeah, they were tough. They were very tough. They, um, As my wife said to a friend on the phone yesterday, we were talking, she said, were you scared? My wife said, no, not really. They were threatening to fight Dan for about a half an hour straight. But people who want to fight you don't threaten to fight. They just fight you. Joe, you've known some pretty tough guys, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There, are, right. Are there, are there, just serious question. I, I, I've given my opinion on this yeah. many times. My listeners know it, but the toughest guys you met, are they the talkers or the doers? Uh, they're the doers, Dan. Uh, yeah, actually, they're pretty yeah, quiet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they're very quiet. Yeah. Matter of fact, it reminds me. It, re- it reminds me of that movie, uh, Goodfellas, where Ray Liotta, the cops pull up and they're, uh, Bo Deedle's the character and they arrest them and they're like, you mother, beep, 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 beep. And Ray, Ray Liotta says, I knew they were cops because they were cursing. He says, because if they were wise guys, I would have already been dead. Hmm. Not suggesting the cops are tough guys. I bet a lot of, but that lies on inaccurate. People who are going to like whack people and do stuff, they just do it. They don't like talk about it. Though. These people are lunatics and they're criminals. So here's video from my network of home cameras. I want to, by the way, hat tip both Simply Safe and my friend Brian, former police officer friend of mine, who does these camera systems. I want to give him a huge hat tip. There's a network inside and outside my house of cameras. We see everything. So I want to hat tip him. If you want some awesome home security, you're up in the New York area, New Jersey area. Email us on our website. I'll send you to my friend. He's really good. He's a former detective with the police board. And uh, he was kind enough to pull this video. Uh, This is this loser woman who uh, you can see. Here's the front. So for those of you missing this, go to youtube.com slash Bongino. You can check it out. There she is. She puts her hazards on, pulls up in front of my house there. There you go. She's sitting there like the loser she is. Her car probably smells bad because most of these radical liberals smell. There she is. Grabs my sign, makes a run for it. She's very slow. She doesn't have Herschel Walker-like speed. Gets back in her car with the hazards on, like drawing attention. And there you go. Speeds off like a lunatic. (laughs) So little does this moron sign thief know that um, there's a network of cameras around the house. 
not hard to identify. So um, when we get her mugshot, we will put it on the show for you. Uh, I don't know if she thought, Joe, I, maybe she was under the misperception, hmm. this total zero. She is a Democrat, so they're really not that smart, many of them. <laughs> um, so maybe she was under the misperception that if you steal a campaign sign, it's not theft. Don't worry. <laughs> campaign sign theft that I paid for my property. That's okay. That's okay. Because I'm a, it's a righteous court. No, yeah. that's a crime. I get it. You're a liberal, so you're dumb by nature. I understand that. Being a liberal requires you to be a moron. But um, once we get some activity on her, we'll happily broadcast her mugshot on the show. We'll make you famous. <laughs> I then proceeded to donate $500. I'm not kidding. The Trump campaign receipts are on my social media account. Check it out on Parler. Um, And bought four new signs, which I will be putting up. So steal those too. I'll buy four more. That money goes to the Trump campaign. You are single-handedly financing the Trump campaign effort. Nice work. Check out that video if you're listening on radio or on digital. YouTube.com slash Bongino. Idiot. What a loser moron get sick of people sometimes bad people i love you all but liberals really piss me off can i say that sorry i just did all right let me get to my next sponsor today's show brought to you by our friends at my patriot supply as well folks it's time to be prepared um if this if you haven't gotten the (laughs) as my father used to say growing up um the subtle drift um i've I've repeatedly said uh, over the last few days about what's coming then you're missing out big time here. There is chaos coming because the Democrats have advertised the chaos. Get ready and get ready today. What are you looking at? Oh, all right. Paula's giving me a look-see. It's got me a little worried there. Maybe I shouldn't be worried. (laughs) What kind of look-see was that? Are you ready for what's next? It's it's likely coming. (laughs) Food shortages, power outages, grocery stores closed and social unrest. I know Drew's going to send me that with some like Barry White music. He always does this after the show. (laughs) Ask yourself a question. You have enough food and supplies on hand to last at least 30 days? You better. Here's the harsh reality. Most Americans don't. You got to ensure everything in your life that matters. You ensure your health. People have eyeglass insurance, dental insurance, home insurance. How do you not have a food insurance plan? You got to have it. Avoid the panic masses in a last minute rush. Order your four-week supply of emergency food today. High-quality emergency food from My Patriot Supply. Last 25 years in storage. You want to depend on the government? What if starvation or depending on the government are your only options? Those sound like two bad options. Plan ahead. Avoid the pain of being unprepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Build your emergency food supply with meals that last up to 25 years in storage shipped directly to your door. Folks that know what's coming are using today to repair. There's still uh, to prepare, excuse me. There's still time for you to do the same. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, the original Patriot Preparedness Company. Get the best food supplies out there. MyPatriotSupply.com, MyPatriotSupply.com. Go today. Okay, so President Trump, uh, moving on. Gave a speech yesterday, a press conference as well, outside in the North Portico of the White House, which I've never seen done before. It's probably the first time. I've never seen a presser out there. The acoustics aren't very good. But, you know, the imagery's nice. So he went out there, and before I play a brief video of what he said about military brass in the Pentagon, the upper level of management in our military not liking him, but the soldiers having a good feel for him, I want to caveat it by saying this, and I mean this, and I want you all to take this to heart. It's important. 
You're not going to find a human being that has more respect. As I said yesterday, I'll say today, I'll say tomorrow, and I've said throughout every show and I've ever brought up this issue, you're not going to find someone with greater respect for our military and our law enforcement than me. You can find a lot of people, millions of them, with an equal amount of respect, but not more because it's not possible. My experience with them, working with them in my prior line of work, whether it was the Delta Force guy I met in Afghanistan or the Green Berets I worked with in Indonesia, they are the best of the best of the best of the best. Having said that, I don't think there's anything patriotic about sending our best overseas to fight in wars where there is no exit plan. Matter of fact, where even the end game is unclear. President Trump feels the same way. That the most patriotic and military supportive decisions you can make are decisions about our military that preserve the lives of the best of the best and only put them in harm's way when absolutely necessary. Don't ever forget Fox Connors' rules of war. Look them up, folks. It's worth your time. Fox Connor was a great military mind who some of our prior presidents have followed his rules of war. His rules of war were very simple. Never go to war for long. Never go to war alone. And never go to war unless you absolutely have to. Because people die. A lot of them. You absolutely have to do it. Is there another option? I told President Trump my belief in Fox Connors' rules of war personally in the Oval Office. I'm not name dropping. I'm just telling you. I believe he feels in general the same way. And it's fair for us to be saying that if we're going to dedicate our finest men and women overseas to fight in combat overseas, then what's the exit plan? He was on the North Portico yesterday, and he said this. And I'm going to prove. I'm going to show you some headlines showing that this is a real concern about this industrial military complex. It seems to never want to pull out of any area we're in right now. Check this out. Biden shipped away our jobs, threw open our borders and sent our youth to fight in these crazy endless wars. And it's one of the reasons the military, I'm not saying the military is in love with me. The soldiers are. The top people in the Pentagon probably aren't because they want to do nothing but fight wars so that all of those wonderful companies that make the bombs and make the planes and make everything else stay happy. But uh, we're getting out of the endless wars. You know how we're doing. We defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate. 100%. When I was in, when I came in, it was a mess. It was all over. They have it in a certain color, all ISIS. A year later, I said, where is it? It's all gone, sir. Because of you, it's all gone. Because of my philosophy, but it's all gone. What's wrong with what he said? Of course, you know, the liberal media activists, they're not real media people, jumped all over him as if he said something irrational or illogical. Why are we in endless conflicts? Listen, I get it. I'm not going to turn geopolitics into a simple campaign sign. Get us out of endless wars. You know, that's simple to say, and there's more to it than that. I get it. I understand that. International relationships are important, and there are sometimes there are no ways to avoid it. No reasonable ways to avoid a conflict. But folks, what's the battle plan here? Literally, 
what's the battle plan? What's the exit plan? What's the victory plan? Is our victory plan just anytime there's a conflict overseas that we should send soldiers to solve problems, governments should be building themselves, armies to solve, and, and law enforcement entities and counterterror entities to solve themselves? Why are we doing it? And he rightly so calls out this freight train from military leadership to defense companies. Now, listen, I'm a capitalist. I'm not saying it should be illegal for you to work in the Pentagon as a, a general, a colonel, whatever it may be, and then go on and work in the defense industry. Your input could be valuable. I'm simply suggesting we should recognize that once you leave the Pentagon and go over to work for the defense industry, there's a conflict of interest. No. The people paying you now are not paying you because they think you're such a wonderful person. They're paying for your content, for your contacts in the Pentagon. I know I've been offered jobs given my prior line of work. They've been pretty honest about why they're paying you and for your operational knowledge. Look at these headlines. Politico, Jim Mattis rejoining General Dynamics Board of Directors. Not faulting Jim Mattis. Here's Dunford. Lockheed adds Dunford, former top U.S. military officer to board. Another one. It's from Warzone. Just retired U.S. Air Force head honcho joins board of big defense contractor by Tyler Rogaway. Hat tip to Sternovich, by the way, on uh, social media for putting these headlines out there. Those are just a couple. I'm faulting them. I'm not suggesting they did anything illegal, leaving the Pentagon to go work in that space afterwards, the defense space. I'm simply suggesting that maybe Trump's onto something. That the people who are promoting endless, endless conflicts with no exit plan whatsoever, then go to work for companies that make a lot of money off endless conflicts. They're not doing anything wrong. Thank God those companies are producing the weapons and the products we need to defend ourselves. I'm not knocking them. I'm simply saying that in a sane constitutional republic where we weigh people's motives and intentions behind their decisions, we have to have information to weigh their motives and intentions. And ignoring the fact that they work for companies now that do profit off some of this stuff is just ridiculous. Trump's right to call attention to it. What are your motives? Are they pure here? Do you really believe that we're doing the United States a long-term positive benefit by keeping a troop presence in Afghanistan? Or is there some other motive here that the defense company wants them over there? What is it? We're free to weigh that. And we should be asking these questions. All right. Um, this is the block. Uh, let me move on. This is the block I really wanted to get to yesterday, the show. I, but we were the, the article was just by Michael Anton, The Coming Coup. If you didn't watch yesterday's show, you're missing out on, candidly, what I think is some of our, I know self-praise things, but I think it's some of the best work we've done. Yeah. Yesterday's show was really, really good. Yeah, Joe agreed, yeah. but we never agreed. One of us is always like, ah. <laughs> no, yesterday, we were all unanimous. It was, unanimous. Good. It was mm -hmm. good. Really good stuff. But I did want to get to this. Peter Stroke gave an interview this weekend. You know, the FBI agent who was uh, the lead investigator for the Spygate scandal. So he's trying to redeem his horrible, broken reputation for basically being in charge of an investigation that spied on President Trump, then candidate Trump. And so what does he do? He goes on to CBS, you know, and of course, you're going to get a friendly there. I mean, it's CBS. Again, they're activists. They're not real media people. 
And he did this interview, which is just so chock full of easily discredited lies that I'm, I don't know what he thought he was doing. Let me reestablish my credibility by lying again and saying things that are just easily debunked. I got four cuts from it. They're all pretty short. Here's cut number one, lead FBI investigator Peter Stroke, who apparently doesn't even know his own case, suggesting now that the Australians started this investigation into Donald Trump because they heard Donald Trump say something about Russian emails. Well, I'm going to show you the date, show you Stroke's just an idiot. He's got the dates backwards. Check this out. When they saw that statement by Trump, that that triggered the memory of the conversation they had with Papadopoulos. So Donald Trump, with his own words, brought this investigation down on himself? According to what the foreign government told us, yes. Oh my gosh, is this guy a moron? I mean, really, this guy has the IQ of a, of a, of a sea urchin. So he's suggesting that the July 27th speech where Donald Trump, folks, you remember this, 2016, where he says, Russians, you know, Hillary's emails are out there. The press would love it if you found this. You remember that? Now, listen, not the best thing to say. He wasn't telling the Russians to get the emails. You're saying the press would love it otherwise. You get the hint? When did that speech happen? Russians, Hillary's emails. Remember that? When did it happen? Well, let's look at the New York Times reporting on it. By the way, big hat tip Hans Monkey on uh, Twitter for this. He's a great investigator. These are his screenshots. Donald Trump said on Wednesday, July 27th, <laughs> that he hoped Russian intelligence services had successfully hacked Hillary's email and encouraged them to publish whatever they may have stolen. So, you know, Joe dates and stuff. So Trump gives his speech on July 27th. So Peter Stroke, if you want to rewind the tape, you can see in that clip, he says, after the Australians heard that on July 27th, then they came to the FBI and said, hey, we have some information about Trump and the Russians. This could be really suspicious. So, Joe, you're following, right? July 27th is a speech. Stroke's the lead investigator. He's definitely the smartest, smartest person in the room. He's with the FBI. Come on. So that would mean what? That the Australians, if they saw that speech and were, wow, we got a real problem. We better talk to the Americans. Mm-hmm. That would have to be July 27th or later that they gave the tip, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, thanks. I mean, it wasn't a trick question. I can tell you're confused. Like, this can't be this stupid. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to the Mueller report as to when the Australians approached the FBI. Oh, July 26th. Ju- <laughs> July 20th. So they- a little early. <laughs> July 26th. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well said, Joe. Maybe we should put that on a t-shirt too. Um, little early's right. So the lead FBI investigators here trying to redeem his credibility can't even get his own dates right. Hey, we didn't start this on Donald Trump. We only started because the Australians approached us after Donald Trump made an ill-advised statement at a July 27th press conference. Uh, Peter, when did the uh, when did the Australians approach you? Because the report says July 26th, the day before Trump's press conference. Oh, sorry. So my bad. My bad. So sad. How did you screw that up? You're the lead investigator. What a numbnuts. You're supposed to take this guy seriously? The smelly Walmart people guy? (laughs) I've got three more. Let me get to my last sponsor. I got three more. This guy can't get anything right. Stroke. Listen, by the FBI guys I work with were fantastic. The people who were involved in this spying operation on Trump were seriously not. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. These were not smart people. 
as one of my friends in the FBI called them, they were briefers. They never investigated cases, street cases, bank robberies and stuff. They were briefers. They'd brief people all the time. That's what they do. They probably follow a sheet of notes. I got a few more. All right, let me get to my last sponsor. Today's show finally brought to you by our friends at iTarget. Folks, you know, preparing yourself and your firearm skills, what matters, right? Safety and proficiency. It's kind of hard with these quarantines to go and train. Not now. Because you have the iTarget system. Self-reliance matters. We've seen COVID, civil unrest, and everything else, and it's sad. The fact is, the cops can't be everywhere all the time. It's so important to train yourself. And with this quarantine, it's getting hard. That's why we have iTarget Pro. It's the best way, the best way to dry fire train with your firearm. What's dry firing? Dry firing is when you safely unload your weapon. You check it. You check it twice. You check it three times. And you depress the trigger in a safe direction on a safely unloaded firearm, safely downrange. Why if it's unloaded? Because you get to practice your trigger control, your grip, your sight alignment, and your sight picture. And you know what? You don't need uh, the, uh, the, the ammo to do it. But what if you could have a system where you would see using a laser round exactly where that round would have landed on a target? Because remember, if it's dry, there's no round. Well, that system has arrived. It's the iTarget Pro system. Dry fire training with iTarget Pro will develop muscle memory. It'll help with target reaction speed, acquisition, sight alignment, sight picture, trigger function, grip, and more. iTarget comes in all major calibers, including 223 and 556, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. If a liberal was reading that, they'd say with calibers uh, 22.3 and 5.56. But no, it's 2.23 and 5.56 because this, in fact, is a conservative show and we know what we're doing here. Right now, you get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code Dan. <laughs> Paul is laughing. Don't let circumstances dictate whether or not you're going to train. Take back control with iTarget Pro. That's the letter itargetpro.com itargetpro.com use offer code Dan ladies and gentlemen you're going to love this system the feedback we get on it is phenomenal itargetpro.com use offer code Dan all right so not only does Stroke not know the timeline of his own case I mean he's obviously lying we started it because of the Australian tip after the speech the Australian tip was before the street Pete uh, before the speech you may want to get your timeline down daddy yo but Here's Peter Stroke again, along with his media allies who don't bother to call him out. And by the way, the interviewer is just a joke. I don't know this guy. He seems like a nice guy. The guy interviewed him. But wouldn't you think going into this major interview, Peter Stroke's releasing a book to redeem his reputation, you'd have your basic timeline down so you could question the guy. It's an interview. Back, forth, back, forth, volley, you know. No, he didn't care about any of it. The guy doesn't know any of the facts of the case. So he just lets Peter Stroke lie. Here's another one. Here's Peter Stroke again with his media buddy here. Pumping the Mike Flynn lied about sanctions uh, hoax when we know, in fact, Mike Flynn was never even asked about sanctions. Check this out. So were you ready to close your investigation of uh, Flynn? We were. That obviously didn't happen. What, what changed? Uh, he had a bunch of phone calls and uh, contact with the Russian ambassador to the United States. Before the Trump administration had assumed power, Flynn called Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. What's wrong with that? I think what makes a problem is when you look at the content and nature of the things that Flynn tells the ambassador. Flynn asked Kislyak not to retaliate for Obama administration's sanctions against Russia. The conversation in which Flynn potentially interfered with Obama's foreign policy was recorded by U.S. intelligence. So instead of closing the case, Strzok sat down to question Flynn. The strangest thing happened. It was very clear that he wasn't telling the truth, and we repeatedly tried to get him to that. 
I mean, this guy, this stroke is seriously a sociopath. This guy's in on the interview and he doesn't even remember what he asked Flynn. So he makes two assertions there. In addition to his first lie, easily discredited, easily. This guy's really not smart. He makes two assertions there that he knew basically Flynn was lying and they tried to guide him to the truth. He did. That's fascinating. I got some on that in a second. And that he asked Flynn about sanctions and that he lied about this conversation with the Russian ambassador about sanctions. He did. That's fascinating because we actually have the FBI notes, the 302 form from Peter Stroke, who you just saw this interview with Flynn. Again, let's do it again. Paula, let's go through the three page notes and let's look for the word sanctions. Let's go to page one. 302 notes from Peter Stroke. Uh, do you see sanctions anywhere in there? I see conversation about the expulsion of Russian diplomats, which Flynn acknowledged in the FBI notes. Uh, do you see a note? No, no, I don't see sanctions, Joe. You see it? We got to do this no, again, Dave, buddy. No. I'm sorry. That's okay. You don't. Okay, there's page one. So let's go to page two where Flynn lied about the sanctions that don't appear anywhere in the actual notes. I hear again talk of expulsions of Russian diplomats, which Flynn has always acknowledged. He talked about the FBI's acknowledged too. Uh, sanctions, sanctions. No, do you, Joe, anywhere? No, Any Paula? Yet, anywhere? Damn. Paula's giving me a head nod. That looks like a no from Paula. We have a definite, definitive no from Joe. Okay, let's go to finally the last page. Clearly, Peter Stroke, who says Flynn lied when they asked him about sanctions. This is where the sanctions question appears. Let me see. Going through it line by line. I see the expulsions coming up again, which again yeah. has always been acknowledged. Always a flame of expulsions, expulsions. Um, Paula, you know, we're getting a head nod from Paula. That looks like a no from her. My vision's mm -hmm. not that great. Uh, Joe, I'll take an audio response from yeah, you. Man. Do you see all sanctions clear. in there? No, all clear. All clear. Thank you. So there is mm -hmm. no talk of sanctions anywhere. No. So Flynn, according to Peter Stroke, who apparently doesn't know his own notes and doesn't know his own case because he's really not smart, this dunce, doesn't know how his own case opened, doesn't even know what he asked Flynn, is suggesting to you, even though we have the notes because they've been declassified, that Mike Flynn lied to him about sanctions he never asked about in his own notes. He's also saying, we knew Flynn was lying. You did? That's funny because we have your FBI notes about that too. And in the FBI notes, we always produce receipts here, folks. It says that they, after they went through it all, they didn't show them the transcript, the transcripts. They came back and drafted a 302. And listen, here's at the top. When they talked to them about this, they discerned no physical indications of deception. Wait, no physical indica indications of deception. Peter Stroke just told us that Flynn lied about sanctions they never asked him about and that they knew he was lying. Then why did they tell the FBI they had no physical indications of deception? No deception, but he's lying. No deception, but he's lying. We know actually who's lying. Uh, it's clearly Peter Stroke, who's too dumb to figure out how he opened up his own case and also too stupid to figure out what's in his own notes. Oh my gosh, if we had an honest media in this country and this no. interviewer, I don't know this guy, and even knew a little bit about the case. Speaking of which, by the way, I have an interview show this week. It's a special. It's a Spygate special with the great Devin Nunes. All right. We're going to have Carter Page on at the end of it. Don't miss that. It's going to come out Saturday. That's a guy who actually knows the case, Devin Nunes, unlike the interviewer who just accepts, P not only accepts Peter Stroke's notes, puts it in the audio. We know Mike Flynn lied about sanctions. Did you read the actual notes? Well, I don't even know the guy's name. He looks like a Bob. Hey, Bob, did you read the notes, Bob? Where do you see sanctions discussed in that interview? Oh, nowhere. What's his name? Thank you, Paula. David. 
Bob David. Bob <laughs> slash David. Or maybe Bob last name there. Whatever. Bob David isn't even smart enough to read the notes. <laughs> These people are unbelievable. Here's another doozy. Stroke lying again. Or this one's not so much lying. This is massaging. The, remember the narrative? The narrative. It's always about the narrative. This is Stroke knowingly massaging a BS narrative. And again, the interviewer, Bob David, who knows nothing about anything, not even questioning Stroke on Manafort. Remember President mm. Trump's former campaign manager giving polling data to a Russian intel officer? Oh, my gosh. If that's true, collusion's definitely real. Check this out and notice the total lack of any curiousness whatsoever on, be on behalf of of the interviewer who is totally unprepared. Check this out. According to a new report by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, Manafort was a grave counterintelligence threat who sought to secretly share with a Russian intelligence officer sensitive campaign polling data. If it's their polls, isn't it theirs to give to whoever they want to give? If you're giving that to somebody who is passing it to a foreign adversary who is targeting our elections, how is that possibly okay? Oh my gosh, is this guy a dunce? Again, I don't know David Bob, Bob, Day. I've never met the guy. I'm just saying like, maybe you want to ask him. So you're telling me you're suggesting here, because this is a serious charge, that President Trump's former campaign manager was giving polling data to a Russian intelligence officer? Until we find out that again, because the interviewer is totally unprepared, that it's not actually a Russian, it's a Ukrainian. And the Ukrainian, who apparently is such a danger to society, he was a source for the Obama administration, State Department? No way! From yesterday's show notes, of course, here's John Solomon, an actual reporter, unlike this guy who was totally unprepared. The Ukrainian, by the way, not a Russian, flagged as the intel danger to Trump, had extensive contact with Obama officials, memo show. The Obama administration, State Department, considered Konstantin Kalimnik a, quote, sensitive source. Senate report now identifies him as a Russian intel officer. Now, you think that would be a decent question for Stroke if you were a prepared interviewer? Sir, you're suggesting Trump's campaign manager passed information to a Russian intel guy? Uh, sir, he's not Russian. He's Ukrainian. And he was a source for the Obama State Department. So if he was a spy, why was the Obama State Department considering him a valuable, sensitive source? I, I'm just asking, Pete. Of course, Stroke doesn't have any answers because he's a dunce. He doesn't even know why we opened his own case. This guy is a class A dunce. He lies about things that are so easily discredited. We asked him about sanctions. He was lying. You did? Because that's not in your notes anywhere. No, we knew he was lying right away. Really? Then why'd you say you saw no signs of deception? <laughs> I'm just asking, Pete. Pete, come on this show. I, I, you, this is an open invitation. I'm begging you on bended knee. Come on this show. Where someone who actually knows the facts of the case will ask you these questions. I'm sure you'll lie and spin and accuse us of being whatever. Racist, misogynist, homophobic, transphobic, the Democrat playbook, I'm sure. But I know you'll have no answers because you don't have any answers. Here's the last one. And, and, and the most embarrassing quote of the whole interview, where despite the fact that we know one of the FBI lawyers lied, he's now pled guilty to it about doctoring evidence to make Carter Page look like a Russian spy when he, in fact, was a U.S. intelligence asset working on Russians. We know the FBI lawyer lied about that, despite the fact that the FISA court is now thrown out 
two of the four Pfizer's as being illegitimate. And despite the fact that the FBI had interviewed Christopher Seale's sources who told him all this information was junk, Stroke doesn't take any credit for this at all. As malfeasance, he says, no, no, we were just a little overworked. Listen, numb nuts. I'm overworked a lot. I had a really long day, ironically, on Labor Day yesterday, and I have another one planned today. Our day doesn't end till well after 10 o'clock at night. That doesn't allow me to go on the air and say things that are lies just because I'm overworked. You can't handle your former job in the FBI. Please do the country and the world a favor and resign. You're a danger to the public if you don't. Listen to this pathetic excuse for a human being here. Oh, don't worry. All of this was just due to us being overworked. I don't think at all uh, that it's anything improper. You get people who are overworked, who make mistakes, and don't get me wrong, inexcusable mistakes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is near sociopathic behavior. You were overworked. So let me get this straight. The FBI lawyer who was contacted by the CIA Contacted by the CIA and told, hey, listen, the guy you're targeting for spying is actually working with us to go get Russian spies. And they changed that and doctored that evidence to make it look like the contact with Russians was nefarious when it was, in fact, very patriotic. That was due to being overworked. How do you misinterpret that? I'm just curious. If I'm an investigator and I'm interviewing Joe's neighbor, did Joe rob the bank on April 26th? No, sir, I saw Joe in his house all day on April 26th. If I'm overworked, do I change that to, to uh, the subject saying, I did not see Joe in his house on April 26th? How did that not get in there? Like Klein Smith, the FBI lawyer who put in there that Carter Page was not a source for the CIA when he, in fact, was a source. How do, how do, how, how do, you, how do you mess that up? Overworked. How do you think that sounds to truckers out there on long hauls? Oh, carpenters out there building houses in the Florida sun in the middle of the hundred degree days. Servers and restaurants working, you know, twelve hour shifts to pay the rent. You're you're overworked. You're over. Oh, oh, Pete. Oh my gosh, we feel so bad for you. You're so overworked. What a wuss. So pathetic. You are. You're pathetic. Pathetic. And your information is wrong. We know it's wrong. And to the interviewer, David Bob, next time do your homework. That was pathetic. All right. You know what? Let me just get this one last thing by the blaze. Listen, spend your money wisely, folks. Final story of the day. Um, so American Airlines decided it's a good idea to let their staff wear pins for the Marxist terror group, uh, Black Lives Matter. You know, the what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? I'm not telling you what to do with your money. Just telling you to be smart about it. I'm pretty sure you probably can't wear a MAGA pin. Blaze, American Airlines, to allow flight attendants to wear Black Lives Matter pins. Sparking backlash. Gee, you think? Paul Saka, the Blaze. You think? I guarantee you, you petition to wear a Make America Great Again, a pretty benign message on political overtones nonetheless, but... At its, at, its, uh, at its heart, a pretty benign message. Make America great again, right? You wear that, you'll probably be fired. But Black Lives Matter, you know, the Marxist terror group? Yeah, that pin's A-OK. Spend your money wisely. 
All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the show. Thanks for all the feedback on Lucy yesterday. She's been such a great dog. We've only had her two days. She's such a good dog. She barely even, she's sitting right over there. You heard her one time. There was just a little whimper. Probably didn't even come over. Never says anything. Just sits there. She wants to go out. You know, they're new. You got to train them and stuff. But thanks for all the feedback on that. Please watch yesterday's show if you missed it. YouTube.com slash Bongino. If you want to watch the show, if you want to listen, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts, I really appreciate it. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.